listener production. Just a couple of happy boys popping out a daily podcast. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Well, Matt O'Kine, it seems like you're pretty good at keeping the names close to your chest. You don't have butterfingers when it comes to dropping them names. Well, what are you talking about? Oh, we got a little message on the Matt and Alex Instagram. We love you keeping in touch with us there, Matt.n.alex. What, what did it say, Bron? Someone sent through a photo of Josh Thomas uh, digging into his own little piggy. Incredible um, comedian, actor, Josh Thomas. Oh, this is you shared this on our um, on our little WhatsApp. Okay. Yeah, Josh is here. Um, says the caption to the Instagram post says, Pop time for some gay parties. The Prime Minister stopped by. Would not stop flirting. I believe that's a joke, but maybe not. <laughs> um... Then he says some other highlights, uh, wearing giant purple pants, kissing, a quince tart, and then my friend bought me half a baby pig entombed in a can of duck fat. You said that you bought one of them. Is that the party you took it to? No. Well, okay. No, it's not. I did say that I had to drop a, a half a pig in a can <laughs> to a friend, and it, I did have to do that, but the friend was not Josh Thomas. But I'm telling you, all right, Josh Thomas is Brisbane alumni, okay, mm. and, and I was dropping my, my pig to a friend in Brisbane, this is, I'm telling you, Brisbane is at the forefront of culinary. Canned pigs are at the forefront of culinary. This is stuff from the 1850s, <laughs> half a canned pig. <laughs> forefront? What are you on about, mate? Okay, I do, can we not? It, we... Did it say on the packaging, ye old? And old would be spelt with an E. <laughs> Anyways, it's just, it's just there. I'm showing, I'm telling you now, all right? I'm on it. Josh is on it. This is a cool thing. Um, <laughs> apologies to anyone who doesn't eat pig and pig adult, or, an a, or or at our animal products. So <laughs> apologies. I don't even want to talk about the baby kid, the pig in the can anymore. I feel like it's right. too. Well, should we get I'm into sorry to something a bit a bit better? Talk about illegal things. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about actually breaking the law severely. Yeah. Big fines. You'll hear all about it right now. This is Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Hope you're having a good one. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Filming a TV show, Alex Dyson, at the moment, which I can't say too much about. Mother and son, you can say that. I mean, everyone, yes, that's that's in the news, but I can't say too much about the... Well, please tell me that you don't include a breastfeeding scene in it. After oh, look, your okay. recent, do you know what <laughs> this is? Why this is why people don't talk about that stuff more, okay? Because they will be shamed for it. <laughs> so I mentioned that I breastfed until I was like three and a half, four years old, and suddenly, Daiso's holding on to it like I used to hold on to the little titty, okay? <laughs> you just cannot I, let go. You just I keep sucking the milk I, out of this topic, don't you, mate? I've latched. <laughs> I have fully latched. <laughs> okay, so do you know? Actually, it's uh, th- that. This is actually is quite a uh, um, a linked topic mm-hmm. because it comes down to intimacy. This is what I'm talking about, and we actually have an intimacy coach on most TV shows now. Did you know this? I've heard that intimacy coaches are there to help the conversations and make sure a consent is a part of it, you know, and make sure everyone's aware of everything that's going on and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a scene between who? Well, this can be anything, right? I mean, I can't give away too much about storyline or anything like mm. that, but it's it extends a lot now. So for instance, right, you might need an intimacy coordinator or coach to break down the way that, say, two best friends in a show might 
interact with each other physically because you mm. and your best friend might, you know, let's say that um, you're watching the football, okay? Mm. You and your best friend watching a football, your team wins, you're both very excited and in the throes of excitement, you're hugging each other, mm-hmm. you know, you're punching each other, you're slapping each other's asses. I don't know what you want to do to celebrate with your friend, all right? Yep. But other people don't do that. They neither do nor want <laughs> exactly. To do. So suddenly the director goes, you know, okay, so celebrate like your team's just won. And they say, action. And you haven't discussed any of this stuff. So you're just like, yeah, woo, hugging them, slapping asses. And they're like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Some best friends are, um, yeah, they'd be all over the shop. I remember my dad saying like back in school, like all the mates, they'd say, take a bow. <laughs> that was a precursor to someone like, punching someone in the testicles and they go, oh, and like they have to put their head down and like bow. Right? So yeah. everyone does different stuff. And it's the same way with sex scenes in particular because mm-hmm. the script might say the couple are, you know, having great sex. It literally might, the line might say, um, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so are having great sex. That's all the line says. And yep. so if the director yells action and you just start. Right. Just great sex, please. <laughs> on exactly. three. And then, and you know, you start doing whatever you think, and then the other person is like, "Why are you biting me?" You know, like yeah. So I'd then you're like, to be "But isn't that you. what great sex is?" You know, like everyone's got their own version of that. For a record, not my version. My version does not involve biting. That, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> not to not to shame anyone who does. It, yeah. It's all up to you. Bitten enough nipples over the years to be over <laughs> that. Enough. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's freaking breastfeeding. <laughs> okay. So also Sorry. by the time I was four, I was not biting anything anymore. Okay. <laughs> I was very good at extracting. So See, the point of this. Producer Bronze lost it. <laughs> she's, she's out. She's gone. The point of this story <laughs> is that our um, intimacy coach actually mentioned. Mm-hmm. They don't like the word triggered anymore. Really? Yeah, they don't go for triggered anymore. Intimacy prefer- coaches don't, or that in psychology that term is starting to get uh, removed. I'm not sure what the basis of this is, so I'm not going to say that this is you know peer-reviewed science, but mm-hmm. our intimacy coaches said, I don't want to use the word triggered if anything comes up, if we're talking about things and mm-hmm. something, someone does something and it, there's no triggering, right? It has negative connotations. Mm-hmm. So they've said... We should be using the word activation now. You're activated by an event or or a, a thing mm-hmm. or word or anything like that because it's a positive thing. Yeah, but that to me, it's just all those. If you're walking down the main street of a city and there's like an airlines set up, you know, a lot of, you know, paraphernalia. You know, like it that's sounds like an, an influencer sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that but an activation is positive, whereas triggering can be negative. Yeah, right? but so the person is so, doing something that is taken in a negative way. No, nah, but it's it's victimization of the event, right? So it's an immediate victimization. If you're triggered by something, it's immediately victimized. As you. in the negative connotations that this person has done something wrong or are the negative connotations, I am not normal because this yes. feels bad for me. It triggers something which is innately should be bad. That, that is a mm. bad feeling, a bad memory or a bad event. Mm. It's a bad reaction to something. Whereas activation can be empowering. 
right? There's, there's, it's sort of more neutral. It's just something that he awakens within you. That's really interesting because, because it's positive, then it's like <laughs> you're trying to get rid of negative behavior, but talk about it in a positive way. Well, it's not negative behavior. It's a negative. It's a it's negative. Something you don't want someone to do though. But you, you are the person who gets triggered. So it, it's 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 an internal thing. Yeah. So when you get triggered by something, immediately the feeling is, oh, it you got to apologize for triggered the me, way, and yeah. therefore it's a bad it's a bad experience that I'm having, which relates to a bad experience that's happened to me. So instead, you've got to talk about your bad experience, saying it's activated. Well, it has activated it, and whether you choose to take that as a bad experience or not is up to you. That's just, hey, man, I'm not the freaking intimacy coach. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. That's this interesting. Is, I'm trying to help you That's get woke now, dude. I'm trying to help interesting. you. That's a, it's interesting because I've been using triggering more recently in that, yeah, things that are more sensitive for you than other people. It's like you talk about it in that this is not, I'm not, you're not bad for doing this. This is what I'm experiencing right now. It's triggering to me. Exactly. And immediately that's, it means it's triggering because it means that those memories or whatever the feelings you're having are immediately bad, right? Yes. <laughs> Try activation. <laughs> That's, okay. I think that's right. the point. It's like, it's activated me. I will try and find a sentence that relates to my own life that I can replace activation with. Um, Here we go. Okay, what about this? What about this? All right. Alex, your references to my late breastfeeding, breastfeeding up until I was four or three and a half or so, mm. okay, I find quite triggering. Because mm. it makes me feel ashamed mm. to be, you have breastfed that late. All right. And then what I would say is, I apologize for bringing it up that much. That would feel pretty bad. I'm sorry for doing that. Mm. Now, okay, here we go again. <clears throat> you know what, Alex? All your jokes about me <laughs> taking so long to stop breastfeeding, you know, mm -hmm. has really activated me to remember that I am a freaking legend <laughs> <laughs> who loved that little boob dairy more than anything. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. And I have no shame, none whatsoever. And it made me the man that I am today. And I'll be damned if I'm not walking out of here and going straight to the kitchen <laughs> For two scoops of Milo and a little bit of that God's nectar, I'm out. You're right. It does work better. This is all day breakfast. Matt, when you were growing up, where... Did you practice your tuba? Oh, uh, I didn't. Because you were a tuba boy. Yeah, and I was. And I absolutely resented the fact that they had given me the tuba so much <laughs> that I refused to practice it ever. 
Um, occasionally I would maybe flick through the book at home and just like, what, you just read it? <laughs> well, just try and wrap my head around it. I mean, it's all just, it's all just fingers. It's three buttons. You're literally just pressing three buttons and trying to remember yeah. what, how, like how hard you're blowing into this little hole. Cause then so the, the ferocity of your blow makes the sound. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. So, there, so was, there was no like music room in the house that you had to tuck away or something like that? No, not that I remember. I mean, I did. I think there was one or two back when I was sort of eager and wide-eyed. I might do it just in the lounge room at about five o'clock in the Arvo. But yeah, you never you never got like a drum kit and started playing playing the drums at home? Nah, we did have a range of recorders though. And I did do a lot of that. But you're also talking about, you're talking to a bedroom beat master, you know? <laughs> like, so... I remember there was one time when I was practicing my boy band moves for um, <laughs> my high school boy band 4.1, singing mm. into a literal can of deodorant. And uh, and I noticed that the my bedroom door was cracked open and dad was peeking in. And I tell you what, I'm still embarrassed by that. I'm still embarrassed by that, dad. Not cool. <laughs> that's interesting. Honestly. Well, well, here's a very terrible, ignorant question. Because mm. your dad comes from Ghana. Yeah. Do they use Lynx Africa in Africa or do they call it like Lynx Australia? <laughs> no, I don't know what they use there. But for a while there, my dad did have a can of Lynx Africa next to his bed. And I was like, <laughs> man, bro, I remember seeing it. I was like, dude, even I as a high school kid knew that that wasn't on, you know? Yeah, damn. It was it's obviously the voodoo was the way to go. But, but um, he was an Aramis man, by the way. So you know. But I um I had the piano growing up, so I'd practice that. I had to do fifteen minutes in the morning, fifteen minutes at night. That was all good. Although sometimes, like, you did get the knock on the door and said, "Keep it down," you know, put, or put the silence pedal on. You know, put, put it drops oh, the yeah, little okay. the fa- fabric over it. And I sort of feel mm. feel sorry for the for the parents of kids who yeah use the drum kits or like you know the little kids like practicing the violin for the first time mm. and it's you know it's a bit of a nails down a blackboard potentially mm. and i'm only bringing this up because i saw someone the other day in fact i've seen them 3 times who must have been someone whose parents admonished them for their instrument of choice the bagpipes Okay. I don't fully understand still how the bagpipes work because even when they're not doing much, they seem to make that <laughs> yeah. sound like all. And then the notes come in. Yeah, that's right. It's- yeah, and even when they're bagging it and stuff, then it then the but it's like yeah, they're just they're just yeah. always because I used to think it was like the recorder. You like you know you blow through and it makes a noise, but they don't do that. You blow up the bag, and mm. to make the noise, you press the bag with your elbow against your, yeah. your chest and that mm. makes it the come through the pipes. But as you know, it's quite a loud ear splitting instrument. It's very unique. Which is why I thought while I was walking home from podcasting one day and I'm like, who's playing the bagpipes? And I walk past this like <laughs> car park, which is built into an overpass of a highway. It's just a dude standing at the bottom of a pylon playing the bagpipes for practice. So he's obviously got a parent, a partner at home who was like, can you please stop? I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so what time was this? This is just like mid-afternoon. 
Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're practicing around traffic so that no one else can hear, that's a pretty good sign, isn't it? It's just submerging yourself in in full traffic. Yeah, exactly right. It's just got cars loud everywhere with deadening the sound, deadening the sound of that Scottish wail. You know, bagpipes are a sound that I feel like needs to be good. Mm. It needs to be good at a minimum. Exactly. I think bad bagpipes. That's not bad. Bags aren't your bag. (laughs) No, exactly. That's not good. So, but yeah, but how do you get to a point where it's tolerable? The answer, go and practice underneath a highway overpass. Yes. So it did yeah. make me think, like, where did you practice your instrument growing up? Did you, did you have a rule about when or where or what room or anything that you could practice your instrument in? Unless we're talking about a guy who was trying to talk to the trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, hang, hang. And they're like, <laughs> You know, like oh, I know, I know. <laughs> he's like summoning up. them. He's summoning all the trucks to a meeting point. Take over Melbourne. So we asked you, where did you have to practice your instrument <laughs> when you were playing? And we got some very good texts. Let's kick off with Amy, who said, "In primary school, my friend would get embarrassed, so she would practice her flute in the wardrobe." <laughs> oh no! Oh, or did a, she? That's or f- did she practice her flute in Narnia? Okay, <laughs> you think about that. She's like, oh, I'm just going to uh, go practice my flute again. <laughs> Ducks into a wondrous world of animals and delights. Um, Elise said, my mum would dob me into my guitar teacher for only practicing in front of the TV. Oh. Hey, what's wrong with only practicing in front of the TV? That's how I learned to play a couple of chords on guitar, was just by a cheap old guitar and then just sit there while the TV's on and you just sort of like blip, 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 like while sport's on. Like you can watch, you can watch the cricket and play guitar, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. You it was the that. old school scrolling. Some of us didn't <laughs> yeah. have yeah. <laughs> the finger, the internet at our fingertips, okay? You try playing Guitar Hero without watching the TV. Go on, try yeah. it. Matt said, I was forced to practice the trumpet in the shed because I was too loud. A huntsman crawled out and went all over my hand. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you, so you keep your trumpet in the shed. You go out to practice, and you're playing, and a huntsman crawls out of the hole. No, even the huntsman's like, "Oh, nah, this sucks. I'm out of here. <laughs> this playing is terrible." <laughs> and Olivia, I learnt the trumpet as well, and I was made to practice in the basement with tea ta- a tea towel shoved in the end. Yep. I can understand that. Get that silencer on. Hey, keep in touch with us on at matt.and.alex. We always love to hear from you. This is Matt and Alex. All day breakfast. I was reading an article in the media. Uh, during the week, Alex Dyson that discussed. I hate that thing. How tourists are always surprised by how big Australia is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, you kind of. It's like when you like when I look at like a map of say China, mm-hmm. right, or even India, mm-hmm. and then you think, okay, wait, they've got like a billion people in mm-hmm. those countries, which means. The amount of cities that they have that 
the amount of Brisbane's that they have mm. is like every, they've got like 30 or 40 Brisbane's. Oh, at least, mate. <laughs> at least like, 30 or 40 Brisbane's. <laughs> Everywhere you look, some little dot, it's like, that's a whole Brisbane. That's a whole Brisbane. Never heard of it. That's a whole Brisbane. Never heard of it. It's always wild, right? It's, it's, it's insane. And I think that like with, with, when, you know, Europeans obviously come to Australia, they underestimate the size as well. The driving distances and stuff. Well, yeah. that's it. Even flying Brisbane to Sydney, that's an hour and a half it takes. Well, my electorate that I ran for as an independent got 47% of the two-party preferred. Each electorate, you got about 100,000 people in it, right? Mm. We had that, Southwest Victoria, the whole area, bigger than Belgium. <laughs> right. <laughs> you could have been Prime Minister of Belgium. I could have been Prime Minister of Belgium. <laughs> Same size, would have been less driving. A bit easier, really. I mean, look, it affects, it affects the way that our... I could have more waffles, that's for sure. It affects the way that our uh, industries operate. I mean, mm. freight, oh, my Lord. Touring. Oh, you know yeah. I mean, in England, oh, you do a show in London... You drive up, you know, an hour or two up the road. Suddenly, you're in some other huge city. You're doing another big show. You're driving up two hours. You're in Manchester. You're going to Liverpool. You haven't even driven halfway from Sydney to Canberra. <laughs> you know, but you've visited five multi-million populated cities. Mm. So why are you bringing? So, anyways, well, the fact is, and this is something that kept being brought up in the, the, the people kind of highlighted. Uh, when this topic comes up, is that, and look, I'm sure it's one of those old known facts, but it blew my mind. And just a reminder that Melbourne is closer to Antarctica than it is to Darwin. What, the edge of Antarctica or like the, yeah. the South Pole? I don't think Antarctica has a, uh, has, a, has a capital yet. Yeah. You know, but. Like but, Cook Station, isn't it? Or something like that. I think Cook Station is our capital of Antarctica. Oh, true. You got multiple I don't ones. think that, yeah, I don't know if it's everyone's capital. Well, it's probably capital of the wildlings who are on the outer ice edge of this flat earth upon which we f <laughs> we float through space. It is the doorway to New Munchen. Um, so, no, there is no capital, as Antarctica is not a country, but rather a collection of territorial claims from mm. various other countries. Thank you, AlexaAnswers.Amazon.com. Well, we don't. Humans don't have a capital. I could guarantee you. The penguins would have a capital. Oh, they would have they would have the Ibiza equivalent. <laughs> it goes off. Have you seen those documentaries? Oh yes, I have. Man, you there is not a dry stomach in the house. They are slipping and sliding everywhere. Thank That's you very it. much. But no, you're right. So look, Melbourne is closer to Antarctica, the edge of Antarctica, than it is to Darwin, the top edge of Australia, which I thought was pretty impressive. That's very, very cool. And it's part of this segment that we do like to blow your mind, mind blown. But we don't like to just dish out the mind dynamite. We love you to send a little bit back our way. So slide in the DMs, Alex with a little voice memo if you've got a mind-blowing fact. Today's fact comes from Courtney. Hi, Matt and Alex. This is Courtney from Brisbane. I have a mind blown for you. Did you know that woodpeckers, before they start pecking at the wood, literally stick their tongue and weave it back into their head to wrap around their brain so that it cushions it so that they don't get a concussion when they go pecking at wood? Mind blown. Thanks, Matt and Alex. Mind. 
that's probably how woodpeckers stop themselves getting their minds blown by Matt's fact is wrapping their tongue around their brain. That is, this is true. Woodpeckers have long tongues that have specialized wiry structures that wrap around the skull, but not in direct contact with the brain. Oh my God, this is how they, they do it without getting headaches. Whoa! Man, woodpeckers have got it sorted out. I needed that kind of technology when I went to the big day out in 2011 to see Ramstein. The head was back and forth like the whole time. <laughs> and I certainly got a headache. <laughs> and Bron, uh, you needed the technology. You could, you'd get a headache from the amount that your eyeballs rolled into the back of your head when I did that show. <laughs> Just then. You should have seen that. I honestly didn't mean to. Absolutely. Oh, no, Bron. Her eyes wrapped to the back of her brain. (laughs) Well, there it is. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back with another Matt and Alex appearance tomorrow. Bye bye. That's it. The all day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got something to add to the show? Slide into our DMs at matt.and.alex.